0: For another episode of Pats from the Past podcast, Matt Smith with Paul Perillo. And I think we just, Paul, I think we just sort of slipped this one under the wire a little bit,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: Uh, the, he's barely cold as far as from the past. Is <laughs> I was concerned. like, dang, from the past already. Sheesh. <laughs> right. Hey,
1: some of them are more recent past others.
0: <laughs> <about laughs> but uh, uh, two's always better than one. Uh, Devin and Jason McCordy are joining, with, uh, joining us. Thank you guys for being here. Really appreciate it. Oh,
2: no problem. Yeah, appreciate and it. And
0: as we're taping this today, uh, We're coming almost literally after devin 's retirement ceremony. How was it?
3: Oh, I was awesome um, and I know like Stacey texted me about doing it, and I told Stacy I was like yeah man if it, if it 'll help you i 'll do it um, but it was for me, it was awesome because so many people played a major part in my career, and I think oftentimes for players like we always get honored for certain things. Um, but I think being able to do that press conference got me to highlight some people uh, who meant a lot to my to my career. Obviously, you know Bill and Mr. Kraft, but also my mom, my wife, um, other people in this building like Donna, Robin, and Miss Nancy, who don't you know they never really get recognized for uh, how much they do for us as players. So um, I just love being able to do that.
2: You didn't say your twin brother.
3: I didn't men- I did mention you, you know, but. Um, uh,
1: he I, may have been the MVP of that ceremony. Talk um, about it. Uncle Jason was on it. Talk oh, about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Uncle Jason was on I would it. tell Mac. Uncle J Mac.
3: W- but I would tell anybody, like, he's doing a good job on TV, but if they want to hire him to be a
2: nanny, he'd be off. Incredible. It. Uh, the more you can do, my wife is very <laughs> proud of uh, the man that she has molded me into. So <laughs> I know if she's listening, she's smiling for me. Just to let there. everybody
1: know, uh, Deb's three children were there, and the, the, I think it was the youngest one, right? Yeah. The youngest boy, Chase. Oh uh you were doing some chasing. He was active. Yes. Exactly. Yes, and and Jason was uh was tasked with that duty, but um uh, just absolutely adorable kids. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
2: ridiculously adorable.
0: Jason,
1: how important was it for you to be here for this?
2: Uh, very important. I've been up since about 430 in the morning. Uh, Did the show this morning. Good morning football on NFL Network. There goes my shameless plug. Nope. And we then time. Uh, I, after that, uh, me and my, my uh, middle child, my son, Caden, uh, he took off a day of school and he got to come hang out at the studio and then we jumped in the car. Uh, and headed up here uh, For me, and to be honest, I've never been to a retirement ceremony. Uh, I've been on four different teams, and you typically throughout my career, you don't have guys that play on one team for this long and mean. Uh, this much to one organization So I didn't really know What I was walking into And uh, being able to sit there In the front row uh, And watch highlights From the very start Of Dev's career um, Him there talking about He can't pronounce The name of the tight end And that's how a good, much yeah, I, I, don't, I don't, they, don't remember that yeah, I don't remember you yeah, saying when that, that was, came up, That's a pretty was, uh, good find Don't you think that was That a was,
3: good was when I was like did I not know Gronkowski? But I'm like, after I got drafted, I, was, I wasn't paying attention. I was hyped. I just remember some
2: big tight end got drafted. So I was I'm not even going to try to say his last name. And then just hearing the picture-perfect answers he had, like, I just want to come in, I just want to help the team. <laughs> and if you interview him now, he says none of those things. It's these quirky responses. He's trying to make you laugh. Uh, so just seeing his maturation throughout the process and being able to sit there and hear uh, Mr. Kraft and hear Bill speak about him and talk about visiting him at Rutgers and just the, the lens that everybody in this organization sees him through. It was awesome, obviously, to be a part of it for three years and witness it up close. And I think now on this given day where you don't always give a chance to highlight people and give them their flowers, hearing everybody speak about Dev, uh, to see his kids go up there, his wife, my mom. Uh, it was it was really special. I know my older brother uh, was back at home. He was texting because he was watching it. And those are the people, kind of my mom and my older brother, throughout our entire lives that have pushed us. And uh, Dev telling that story about Boston College, he still has a chip on his shoulder about something. He's like every other uh, NFL player. You find some type of doubt to motivate you and push you. So uh, it was an honor to be able to be here and witness it.
0: We're going to get to BC in a second, but I just one more follow-up on the retirement. You were probably at Sweet Feats back in August or whenever that was. Uh, Kay Feezy, you remember that yeah. one? I remember Light. So you're, like, sitting there going, oh, yeah, well, this is great. Yeah. Oh, Matt Light, Kevin Falk. These are all great Patriots. James White. Wow. And you sort of said it today, like, it seemed like you were blown out, like, their coaching staff's there. All these players who were working out and everything like that. That's how important you were to them. Yeah. That's got to blow you away.
3: It, it is crazy because – um, like James White's just happened before the season you know but when I was younger and I went to I think the first one I went to was Kay Fault, Um and I spoke today about what, what uh, Feezy meant to me and, and how he helped me when I was young uh, but when I went to his I was like yeah a lot of people like I know what he did for me he's done that for a long time 14 years when I went to Ventus same thing Ninko same thing Um, you just don't – you don't put yourself in that place because, for one, it means it's the end. (laughs) So when you're playing, you don't don't like to think about the end like that. Um, But for as many guys that come, like, we're at the end of – towards the end of March. Like, there's no guys really here. And um, I think for them just to take the opportunity to come here and just listen to me one more time um, after they had to listen to me for, you know, so long, (laughs) uh, it's been an honor. Uh, And I think mostly – Uh, I'll miss that. I'll miss the everyday interaction. Like, I'll obviously keep in touch with guys, but the everyday without any effort, getting an opportunity to talk, laugh, and joke, um, I won't have that anymore. And that's what I'll miss uh, between the players and the coaches of just being able to do that throughout my career.
1: So you've been obviously such a big part of of this community and this organization for so long. Matt and I feel like we know a lot of the stuff. We both left that... That, re- that ceremony today, and the first thing we talked about was that story that you guys just touched on with, with Boston College. And I didn't know any of that stuff. Was that public? I find do, that really interesting. I, I just, from, from the perspective of the two guys that were involved, I, I'd like you to tell that story a little bit because I don't think that's common knowledge. And it was really, really interesting that the school, one school would come at one of you. I, 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 I just thought that was really the, fascinating. Like,
0: like Paul and I were saying, we're walking out of it wouldn't you just because you're a nice person go, okay, the other twin can't play, but you know what, we'll placate him just to make him feel good (laughs) that we're here and give him five minutes, but we really want the other, like, I can't believe that.
3: That's why that one stuck with him. So honestly, when we came out, um, New Hampshire offered both of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kent State offered him, wouldn't offer me. Um, BC offered him, wouldn't offer me. And Rutgers offered him first um, before they offered me. But Rutgers decided to invite me on an official visit when they came to our house, they sat with both of us. Um, so for me, it was the fact that um, Tom O'Brien and BC came. I love with, how you keep saying his name too. Because I don't so, I, and I'll tell you why it's not well Jason's known. Exactly what I would um, I love it. When Tom O'Brien came and they spoke to him, um, I wasn't like allowed. Like obviously, I could have went, but it was kind of like, well, we don't really need you in this meeting. Uh, and for me when Rutgers came and coach rizzi and, and Coach coachiano came they had us both in there and whether they really wanted me at that moment i don't think so because they didn't offer me at that moment but they still allowed me to be a part of the process of the recruiting of talking to me um and i thought like that was like common sense like i'm a 17 year old kid like there's no reason to try to make me feel worse about not getting a scholarship The BC stuck with me for that reason. Like you live in a small house, like I'm sitting on basically on the other end of that wall, not hearing it. But why I never like bashed them with talking about it because like I didn't think it would have been fair for like me, the position I had as a patriot, to talk about the school and whoever the coach would have been. Like right now, Coach Halfley's there, and I like Coach Halfley. I like you know I like their staff. I've been there, Um, so I never wanted to like make it seem like I didn't like them and put negative press. Um, because all my hard feelings and I laugh and joke now I say hard feelings towards Tom O'Brien like I get it you're recruiting guys you're gonna miss on guys Um, but it all came full circle his senior year my redshirt junior year we played NC State in a bowl game coached by Tom O'Brien who left Boston College shortly after uh, we visited better, man. it's getting better I get the interception that seals the game (laughs) I threw my wolf pack up Started celebrating um, because uh, other former Patriot, not a long time, but Tyquan Underwood mm-hmm. also had a best friend, Rich Gunnell, who committed and played at BC. Uh, they were high school teammates, both stars of the team. BC off- also wouldn't offer him, and he blocked a punt that game or picked up a blocked black, punt. Black, yeah. um, so we, we enjoyed that moment for us, uh, kind of like you, you were wrong.
0: So, I mean – we were talking about this, Devin. Everybody needs a little something to spur yeah. them on. Not everybody's a five-star recruit. Not everybody is, you know, a, a Parade All-American or whatever, and you might need something to motivate you. The fact that this guy's in your house and he's not choosing to speak with you as an 18-year-old kid, you can take that with you to your 22, 23, 24, and that fire keeps burning.
3: Yeah, I mean, and then, then you get drafted to the Patriots. So now it's like... Man, the school that's right in the backyard, like how cool would it have been? Because I think there is a chance that we both got offered by BC that, you know, if we came on a visit together instead of just him coming on his visit, there's a chance that we might have liked. And I I remember thinking that when I got drafted, like – Dan, that would've probably been pretty cool. Like if I would've went to BC and got drafted as like a first rounder to the New England Patriots, like that would've been, cause I think about all the kids now that come out of BC and all, so many articles get written, like man, the Patriots should sign him or the Patriots should draft him from BC. Um, but I mean, again, it's a part of the story um, that at the time I was really angry about, but it's a part of like the reason I'm here today as well.
2: So you and gotta I, enjoy it. And I think on top of that, uh, it doesn't just stop with BC. Like Dev had a chip on his shoulder <laughs> Even when it came to Rutgers. And I remember, like he said, I got offered first and then he got offered when we went on our official visit. And we had a high school teammate that was already at Rutgers, uh, Ron Geralt, who Coach Chiano went to and was like, hey, what's the difference between these two? Because we all, we've already offered Jason and we're still recruiting Dev. He was like, they're the same player. Devin just got hurt their senior year, so Jason seems like he had a better year that year. And that's when Rutgers finally decided to offer Dev. So even once Dev got drafted, he still had, like, this chip on his shoulder. Like, Well, yeah.
3: I, I always remind Shannon that he didn't want me. Yeah, he I tell always him. says
2: to him, you, you offered me just to get my brother. <laughs> and I got here and I had to prove to you guys that I was just as good. So, um, like I said, he's, he's always had that chip and he plays with it. And I think – kind of credit Tom O'Brien because this guys played 13 years at an extremely high level Yeah, I mean that was one of the things that we were talking about I was like I mean they're, they're twins
1: they both played for a long time in the National Football League and had a lot of success how different could they have been as 17 18 year old players and that makes sense that yeah. you got you got banged up because you had a red shirt and Jason you didn't that's mm-hmm. why you were drafted first right You mm-hmm. you played the yeah. year before,
2: yeah. right? Yeah, if only if only uh, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick would have drafted, maybe <laughs> I would have had uh, three Super Bowl I mean, it's a, a crazy and, thing you know, to think about Who it, knows? but I mean,
0: you know, and I don't, I'm going to guess you don't harbor <laughs> any kind of Ill- Oh, not at all. No, I, I know, but like, it's not unusual. You're only human to think about that,
2: right? Yeah, for sure, and I think that's the beauty about each and every guy that has a career or whatever your journey is because it's unique to just you, and I think uh, my journey, helped Dev along the way, because my my rookie year in the league, I go to the Tennessee Titans under Jeff Fisher, and then he gets drafted a year later under Bill Belichick and the Patriots, and the way they ran their two organizations couldn't be any more different. So Dev's senior year, the entire time, I'm telling him, this is what the NFL is like. <laughs> this is how we do things, this, that, and the third. And then the next year, he's like, you lied to me. <laughs> the <laughs> NFL is nothing like what you just described. And once he got here, I was like, I definitely get it. And then, obviously, for our paths to be able to come together nine years later um, we both, uh, when I got a chance to come to New England, I think it made it that much better that my journey kind of went a roundabout way to lead us back to each other. Yeah, so, Deb, I'll, cl- I'll, I'll
1: tie the knot on the Tom O'Brien thing for you. I had a chance, you know, from my high school, Everett High School here in Massachusetts, I spoke at our varsity club banquet as, as you know, one of the award guys um, for alumni. And Tom O'Brien was one of the speakers that night, too. And it's kind of a low-key, you know, it's not an overly formal event. So there's, sometimes you're talking and people are still eating and the clanking of the glasses. Like, you don't have everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. Tom O'Brien didn't like that. Tom O'Brien was very upset. He's, like, finger-pointing people and telling people to stop talking as he's talking. I was like –
2: That's old school.
1: I was like, wow, what a hard ass. I mean, what are we (laughs) doing here? So that, like, ties you (laughs) not on Tom O'Brien. He's not – I don't think he's welcome back in (laughs) Everett either. Um, Although he's had a lot of Everett High School players over the years, so.
3: Got to respect that.
1: You haven't had a long to really think about it because you just made
0: this decision. Um, If you look back at the 13 years, and and I'm going to put the pressure on you, is there, you know, the highlight of your career – Is it the 18 season and how that season ended, being able to play with your brother and to cap it off with a Super Bowl championship?
3: Yeah, no doubt. If I had to pick one season, um, it would be that season, Um, not only because we won another championship and it it was with him, but it was the way that season was, like him at the end of training camp, everyone wondering if he's going to get cut or make the team, Um, and then You know, we beat Houston week one. We go and get absolutely destroyed by Jacksonville on the road in Jacksonville. Then go on the road to Detroit Sunday night football. Get destroyed again. Win some games. Miami miracle. Um, Then, you know, I think we kind of – Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, we kind of reset after the Miami miracle. and was like we need to go win this game in Pittsburgh. We go down to Pittsburgh and lose again. Play a good game and lose. It was a good game. Chance to win
2: win the division that week.
3: And then it kind of turned into like, oh, damn, like – we just lost two games in December. Like, that's not what we do here. Like, And I, I still vividly remember Bill coming in and we had uh, Jetson, Bill's yep. or Bill's? Division. I don't remember which yeah. order, but it was those two. And division. he comes in and he goes, we got nothing but playoff games left. If we do what we're supposed to do, everything will work out. Oh. And sure enough, we go win the two games, Houston loses. <laughs> we end up with a bye in the first round, the two seed. Um, and then, you know, we go to Kansas City we beat Kansas City on the road first time, I think, since it was 04 maybe that the team had won on the road in the AFC uh, championship game. Correct. Um, and then we go and have a Super Bowl that was total opposite of the year before. We couldn't stop it. We couldn't stop Philly at all as a defense um, the year before. So to go have that performance, um, I always look at that year it was like the most up and downs. Um, but I was an older player. I was, like, even more of a veteran then because there were no other guys to count on. Like, there were no Vince and and Gerard. Like, I didn't have those guys on defense. So um, to be able to have that team and, you know, myself high, um, being like those guys that were here for a long period of time leading that group um, was a lot of fun, man. And then this guy made the story just so much better because his energy – um and everyone wants to give him so much credit of like man you deserve this you're finally and how he just kept telling people like why do i deserve this more than anybody else like yeah i worked hard but like there's a ton of guys in the nfl that work hard um so i thought we had a great mix of guys like him danny shelton like they went 0 16 the year before like they were back they were on our team about to play in a super bowl game after going 0 16. um so i just thought we had so many cool storylines from individuals but ultimately, like, that team, uh, to me, was just a great story.
0: I can only imagine what your mom thinks <laughs> when she sees the video at the end of the Kansas City game. Because when I look at it, even— <laughs> We all stop. I, I mean, I still get almost choked up about it when I see it, like, because it's surreal. And here's two kids who probably did that in your backyard or on the playground at school and everything, and it happened. And I know you got to close the deal. Because it would have sucked yeah. if, we if you'd done all that, right? right. Mm-hmm. But how amazing was that moment?
2: Oh, it was awesome, And You said we did it growing up. I can remember getting ready for Sunday Pop Warner games, and me and Deb would go outside on the pavement and start throwing the ball, and we'd go over all of our plays that we were going to run later on in the game just to prepare ourselves and now from that moment waking up sunday morning to now fast forwarding years later now we're waking up on a sunday morning and we're walking into a stadium getting ready to play in a super bowl that he's done this was his fifth time being in this game and i think the best moment wasn't on the field after the game it was in the locker room as we're going and we're passing around the afc championship trophy and now we're talking about going to the game and uh For me, it was so surreal, and I said it when I was holding the trophy. This is the first time I get to go to the game on my own accord, and I'm not hitting Dev up to figure out the logistics and taking care of the family, but I'm actually getting invited to the game. So for me, it was truly special. Uh, Dev knows the Super Bowl in Houston. I never know the numbers. The Super Bowl in Houston – I was fifty one. Fifty one. Yeah, they're all the same to me, other than fifty three. Uh, Try having to write about it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember ever. I can only imagine the hardship these guys go through having to write about Super Bowl after Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's that's the proper response. Oh,
3: tough
1: life.
2: <laughs> so it, it it was just it was remarkable, and I think to be able to go through it all and obviously have him alongside me. But I just remember being in that locker room, like I'm finally getting a chance to go. And as I was saying, the Super Bowl in Houston, I remember leading up to when they won that AFC championship game, I remember saying to my wife, I'm not going to the Super Bowl this year. It was just like, at that point, it wasn't jealousy, but there was some envy within it of we're both in the same sport each and every year, I work my ass off all off season to the point where me and Dev would be training sometimes, and he'd be like, "Dude, like, you're, there's no need to do this. Like, this isn't this isn't the the reason you're not getting there. You're just killing yourself and just trying so hard." Because I I was on the field in Arizona when he won that game, and I got a chance to witness it as his twin brother, and it was awesome. And I was just like, "I want to take this back to Tennessee, and I want to get to this game." I remember when he made it to the Super, Bowl, I was like, "I'm not I'm not going to the game." Like. Was he busting your balls, or was he being serious about this? No, he was. As far he, as working, like, as he far was as, being why serious. are you
0: working so hard? It's not going to happen yeah, for you. Yeah, and
2: I don't say that from the standpoint, because, I mean, anybody that's been around this guy, he's one of the hardest working guys in this sport, and he was saying it to me of just, like, there's a certain level where it's like, are you working harder or working smart? It was just like, this isn't necessary to continue to improve and get better, so I remember then it was probably, like, the Monday of the Super Bowl, and I said to my wife, I was like, ah. I got to go. And we had just had a son, and I ended up taking my daughter with me, who was, I think, three at the time, and flying out to Houston. And as much as I kind of was – going through stuff in my own head of wanting to be in that game I was like, I can't miss this like this is this is too important and I had a blast down at the game and as always I hosted the family taking them out to eat handling tickets and all of those other things so Dev could focus on the game so uh it was a long journey and a long process so to finally get to that Super Bowl uh in 2018 uh it was just it was so surreal awesome just
1: the, the Kansas City game to me uh you know just we don't necessarily talk a lot about the memories of the actual games because everybody knows the, mm-hmm. the highlights. But oh. that game, to me, stood out. I mean, I've been here over 20 years. That, to me, still is my favorite game just to have watched. Yeah, just the I- amount of tension in that second half that you guys were playing mm-hmm. through on both sides of the ball. You shut them down completely completely for one half and now we're holding on for deal They're life rolling, yeah. in the second half and I a mean, 40 the,
2: to 43 game earlier in the season, the season right we, right I, right i remember sitting on the bench at the end of that game and uh, we end up winning 40 43 steve kicks the kick and we win the game and we're sitting there as a defense and Duran Harmon, Devin McCourty, patrick chong gilmore john jones just sitting on the bench and everybody has like this look on their face because we we just gave up 40 points i'm like what the hell is wrong with y'all we just won the game i don't care if we gave up 60 you know how many of these games i've been a part of where like the offense gets the ball and you're just like we have no shot we actually went down and won the game and i remember that we laughed about that moment after because like he kind of started off with me danny shelton josh gordon we were all on that team i didn't win a game the year before and not only that, I was on a Titans team that was 2-14, and 14, that was 3-13. and 13. So my perspective on what it meant to win a game and how hard it was was totally different mm. to a lot of the guys that have been around here. So you take that game and then you fast forward to the playoff game, and Bill kind of hit on all the X's and O's of yeah. how we were able to win that game. And I think
3: that's what was cool because I think in 2018, our secondary became um, a weapon for us from the standpoint of We didn't need a lot of direct rules from the coaching staff on how we want to do things. Like he said, like stopping Tyreek Hill turned into me and John Jones talking about where he lined up, how I thought he should play, how he thought. And like we literally would watch film and be like, I think you should be here. Let's do this. All right. If they bring hardman in, they put them both here. We're going to do this. And that continued from 2018, 19. To, like, anytime we played this team, we would have, like, these rules and things we would do that if you ask the coaching staff, they'd be like, yeah, I think they're playing like this. Because, but it was really just our unit that was dictating and doing things like that. Um, so that was also a cool moment because we had grown as a group. Um, you know, Jay Jones got here in 16, Steph in 17. Um, myself, Do, and Chung had been here playing together since – uh, all of us playing a lot since 2014. So adding him in 18, um, and I felt like because he was my twin brother, like it didn't feel like a new guy. And Then E. Rowe was here. We had a group that had now had like two or three years playing together, added a young guy like J.C. Jackson, who was just a straight-out playmaker. Um, we were able to do things in that secondary that, for me, was the first time Um, that wasn't, like, mandated by Bill. It was kind of like, if you come to the sideline and something looks wrong, you better have a good reason why Mm -hmm. you did it. And he said, I remember him saying to me, like, I want you to do what you think's best because nine out of ten times, I'm going to agree with what you want to do. So I'd rather you just go do it um, on the field. And, uh, like, since then, it was just like, all right, we have some ownership of how we want to do certain things. Let's just go do it.
0: So that's interesting perspective right there, because I think the fan, the neophyte, the outsider, I look at 14, okay? And so I get seduced maybe by Rivas, okay? Browner, okay? No, that was good. That was you good guys are that. younger and everything mm-hmm. like that. But maybe you didn't have the experience in 14. Maybe you guys are just going off of tremendous ability, great numbers. Chandler was on that team, so you you know, have the pass rush to go with it a little bit as well. But now you've got the experience that you gained from all those different battles that you went through so that you can do the things what's more osmosis, like I know what we're doing here. Like Tom says all the time, I know the answers to the test before mm-hmm. you give it to me. So is that maybe the difference between that fourteen secondary De- and the eighteen secondary? Definitely
3: for me. Um now that fourteen secondary was good. Mm-hmm. Um like you said, me, Chung, Duran, but from a corner depth wise, like Malcolm Butler was our sixth corner. Right. Man. Like we had Alfonso dinner, Kyle Arrington, Logan Ryan, Revis, Brown. Like we had so many good players, but that was like, that was year five for me. So yeah, I was like, I was understanding how to play the game. I was playing probably some of my better football in my career. But when you talk about being a leader and like running things from a team standpoint, Mayo and, and Vince did that. Like, I controlled where we needed to line up in the secondary, what we needed to do from what coach said the game plan was, I was gonna make sure we got to execute the game plan. The difference in 18 was, this is the game plan, but this is how we're gonna win the game. Yeah, stick to the game plan, but also if you need to change some things and do things differently, go. Like, don't worry about what any coach is gonna say. It was like, we trust you just as much as we trust a coach telling you to do something. So if you see it, go do it and in 14 i didn't have that kind of confidence yet um to do that and you know i think that's what made 18 special for me you would ownership in yes, 18. Definitely. You definitely
0: ownership at 18 and that's the difference yeah maybe. like at
3: 14 it was like we were all good like those guys came here because they were good um and i saw it as that like man i i just want those guys to feel welcome whereas in 18 i felt more like all right those guys are all ready to go, but, like, I got to be the captain of this. I got to help these guys understand how we want to play. And it wasn't a, like, I'm on top of the mountain better than you, but it was like, hey, if I, if I can lead this and then everybody else will fill, fill in and do their roles. Like, no one challenged me more in our room, in our secondary room, than him. And it wasn't like we about to break out and fist fight. It was like, no, nah, I'll tell you why I'm right. And he's like, I'll tell you why you're wrong. And we go back and forth, and then we go in the locker room and laugh about it because we challenged each other that way. Um, and I think that's what made that team so special because we were all – a lot of us were around the same age. Then we had a couple young guys. Like It was just a great mesh of guys um, that I thought came together to build something that wasn't established in the beginning. Like 14, when those guys came, it was like, you better, you better win the Super Bowl, like – you just put two Pro Bowl players from another team on your team, Revis and Browner, like you need to go win. So uh, it was a little different, but it was – I mean, it was still a, so much fun. That's my second – it was my first ever win. Um, so that was definitely special too. When, when Did you recognize the moment – like you
1: talked about when you came in, guys like Kevin Falk and, and Vince and those guys, and you mentioned Vince and Gerard sort of ran that too – did you recognize the moment that you turned into that guy? Did you, um, did, you, did you sort of understand it? Yeah, because you know, they were making gone. Making that transition?
3: <laughs> they were gone. And I keep saying that. Like Everyone talks about the future of this team from a leadership standpoint. And I've told, I've told Doug that. I've told uh, Ben not as much because Ben already kind of does that. Um, but I've told some of the younger players, I was like, you're going to look around and the guys that you saw doing things will be gone. So that means the only other person that can do it is you – or you let somebody that doesn't understand or see what you've you've seen and how it's supposed to be done, you let them take over. I said, but then you have to think about, do you wanna live in a world where, because I don't wanna do it, I let somebody else do it, I let them do it wrong. So for me, um, 2015 um, to 2016 really is like the mesh of some newer guys, but it was like me and High. High had been here since 2012, me since 2010, I thought had to be more vocal and high had to take a little time to, to fall into his. Like if you ever get to know high, he like rebels against everything that he knows he is like, he never wanted to be a captain, even though he was like the ultimate captain got voted (laughs) all the time. Um, but I thought we all kind of looked up and everyone filled a role. Like Chung was never super vocal. Um, but Chung was a, a leader in his way of being tough, being tough and filling every role on the defense. Uh, safety, linebacker, corner, like he did everything. Um, so I always look back, you know, between myself, Chung, um, and uh, and High
2: of really deciding like, all right, we got to be the next wave of leaders of this group. I can remember Mayo saying it where he was coming back in the building and he said he'd come back and he was just like, who the hell is this McCourty? Like, <laughs> Dev never spoke this much when I was on the team, and I think that speaks to what he's saying. You he didn't have to because there was a guy doing that. I think now he's moving on guys will definitely speak up more because anybody that's played with dev he's one of the loudest people in the building never shuts up so some (laughs) guys are happy they finally can be heard but we like that right (laughs) we like the guys who talk he's,
0: he's right we do and so do the fans and so the fans now see a side of Devin mccourty he's the guy in the huddle every single week he's very vocal he has something very important and generally pretty poignant to say at that point in time but that can be overrated and i think bill ian you sort of mentioned that a little bit today you know world's filled with Big Mouse, you know? It's a kind of leadership that might get you. We don't know what you're doing behind mm-hmm. the scenes. It's picking a guy up like you're saying. Something's going wrong with their family, you know? Or maybe he's got, so, you know, something in their personal life. That's the kind of leadership. What Those are the guys that you probably gravitate to. Like, this guy's got my back. And I don't need to hear all the, you know, rah-rah, sis goombah. Nice. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Love the stuff. But it's the other stuff that really... Really shows you who the real leaders
2: are. Is that right? Oh, 100%. And just as an example, uh, throughout my entire career, I gave the same pregame speech that Dev did every single game, whether I was in Tennessee, whether I was in Cleveland, did it once I left here in New England, and I did it in Miami as well. And I would argue that I gave a better pregame speech every <laughs> single Sunday <laughs> right. than Devin McCourty. But we didn't win games. No one cares what you're saying <laughs> when you don't win games. And I could be a great leader, give a great pregame speech. Team could just not be as talented as a team across from us and we don't win the game and no one is gonna say like, wow, he's a great leader. Did you hear the pregame speech he made before the game? But when you go out there and you hear the words that Dev says, before the Super Bowl 53 and he talks about iron and sharpening and iron and picking up your brother, and then you go out there and win the game and then you have Coach Belichick after the game and you ask him about this guy that you perceive as a leader because what he's saying before the game, and you hear Coach Belichick talk about what he does during the course of the week. Or you hear Steve Belichick talk about the fact that he wears the green dot and he's controlling what the defense hears from the coaching staff. Or you hear Robert Kraft talk about the work that he does in the community for the past 13 years of his career. Or you hear one of his teammates talk about, hey, in this moment in the game, we were feeling this. Or something happened, like in the Super Bowl, where we don't get to a play. He yells over to me, Jay, they're going to come back to that play make sure you're ready for it. That's when it all comes full circle, and you're like, wow, it's not – moment before the game where he yells and he screams and the veins popping out of his forehead it's all the six different touch points that everybody's saying about him that makes him pat the patriot the ultimate team leader and i think with him he just had the total package and the next the next group of leaders on this young team may come in different forms of fashion There may be the vocal guy and then the behind the scenes guy i don't know if you replace a devon mccourty with one single leader
0: uh i can only imagine the torment that you put your mother through growing up because <laughs> I barely know you guys and I see how competitive you are. Who's drinking water fastest? Who's good? Whatever. You guys are uber competitive with each other. It's legit. When you see what happens for him today and that you were able to be a part of it, you huh. know, and all the BS aside about I'm better than you. I'm going <laughs> to make more money than you in TV. No, I'm going to make more money than you in TV. How proud of you were to be able to say, wow, one team 13 years. Look at what all you accomplished and and it must make you feel great as a brother
2: yeah uh, he doubled my salary in the NFL so I have to make more on TV (laughs) but um it's so special it's hard to put it into words the fact that I can walk in this building and shake hands with so many people and laugh and joke Bill doesn't make that trade or go and get me if Devin's not here I truly believe that um I had a good career before I got here. Uh, I'm on TV because of the three years that I spent here in the New England Patriots jersey. Half the time when I'm out, if somebody recognizes me, they think i played for the Patriots for 10-plus years, and they ask me how many rings did I win while I was here because they have no idea that Dev was the one here for 13 years and I was just here as a pit stop along my career. So when you talk about how proud I am, um, I'm extremely proud to be able – to not only watch Dev, but to be a witness of not only his playing career, but his entire life. When I got here, it was one thing to learn about who he was in the building and the way everybody perceived him. And he's right, because in the meeting rooms, no one felt like they could say he was wrong about something, and I had no problem saying it. But beyond just the X's and O's, on Tuesdays, I would be waking up at 7 a.m. on our off day because we'd be driving into Boston to do something social justice related or something community related that he was leading the charge on. And those were the things that get spoken about, but they sometimes can go unmentioned. And he was the catalyst behind a lot of things done off the field as well. Uh, So for me, it was special to watch him up there. Uh, today during his retirement ceremony but like you said to be in this building for three years to witness winning the Super Bowl our first year to my last year here his first time not making the playoffs and that spectrum and um, the scale of those things, and we laughed about it that 2020 season because it was chaos. Obviously, there was COVID. Tom had just left. Cam came in, and I remember uh, the year we won the Super Bowl. It was the uh, most games he had lost in a season. It was five games. It was the most I had ever won. It was double digits for the first time in my career. Him? Do you blame him? For I did. That? He did. Yeah, he I definitely mean. did. And then I won him a Super Bowl that Kraft mentioned. So I got to <laughs> I got to make sure I send that check to, good point. to Kraft for that. Um, And I remember laughing with him at the end of that season because in New England, a lot of people don't realize it, but even throughout losing seasons, there's moments of laughter. There's moments of joy. You find a way to get through the adversity and it builds the relationships amongst the guys. And I remember saying to Dev at the end of that season, I told you losing sucks, but it's not that bad. Because as we went through that season and he didn't make the playoffs, he was going through it. And I was happy to be here to be able to, kind of pick him up and pick the other guys up like yo we just got to keep swinging and uh, those three years were, were mm-hmm. awesome so Jason I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that play
1: yeah. too uh, that Robert mentioned at, at the ceremony because he's only talked about it 50-11 I, I never bring it he's up but he's though. never oh. talked <laughs> about it here in the Patriots studio <laughs> so I want to give you an opportunity of what you saw what you remember um, You know, standing you know being in the in the press box 100 miles up It, it, it just Brandon Cooks is I'll take a nap all Patriot. by himself
2: yeah, so it was a, a beautiful Sunday evening. <laughs> uh, that that just the lead up to that game, and Dev kind of alluded to it when he said in 2018 we realized the secondary could be used as a weapon and more specific the cornerback room had built a bond and I think had reached a certain level I remember our corners coach Josh Boyer after the bye week we were meeting and he said we went through a self-scout and we realized one of the strengths of our defense is we can cover anybody on the field he said so I'm just letting you guys know stretch get your hamstrings ready whatever you need to do but we're playing man-to-man for the rest of the season (laughs) press and we're gonna cover everybody and it was like okay so from that point on all the way up until the afc championship game myself stefan gilmore jc jackson jonathan jones we played man to man against everybody and we all four of us played in whatever form or fashion it happened and we get to that week of that super bowl and i can remember before that game josh reynolds um brandon cooks robert woods all of them talked about if they play man if they play the way they've been playing like we're gonna get at them and they had no reason not to think we were gonna play man and when you talk <laughs> sean
1: McVay certainly thought you sean were gonna
2: they definitely thought we were gonna play man He still i mean the next year he figured it out when we went to la but right. that's a, a a story for another day uh so, So in that game, in that play, we're playing cover four, and anybody that's watched kind of the the mic'd up portion of it, that play happened earlier in the game uh, where Brandon Cooks runs a a post on the front side, and we drop him. And I think, no, Gilmore runs with him, but I don't drop off to help him. And Gilmore's looking at that play like there's a lot of space back here for Cooks to run away from him. And we're playing cover four, and there's a post and an over from the other side. And when we get on the sideline, something that had become a really good habit for us is Obviously, the coaches would go over with the little blue Microsoft service that everybody has seen. Tom slam before, Bill slam before. We'd sit down and we'd go over those things and as players, we didn't get it and we'd talk about it And Dev's holding the surface on the sideline, and he's like, Jay, Jay, and he shows the play. They're going to come back to this play. You have to make sure you drop off and you come back. I'm like, I know, I know. I saw the play. I talked to Steph after. I get it. But that was the communication necessary. Everybody talks about halftime adjustments. A lot of those adjustments go on on the sideline. Series by series. Right after the play, series by series. And we make that adjustment, and then the play comes up, and Dev always says it. I'm probably two steps Late in my recognition To be able to get there And on the front side Between uh, Dev Gilmore And I think uh, Gilly dropped it Gilly dropped yeah. the route. Gilly yeah. should have been running with the route. The rule that we said after that He's game is we, enough we, we, tell the we truth. never say who was supposed to we cover tell the tell route. tell the truth. So Brandon Cooks is wide open, and I recognize it probably two seconds too later. And probably two seconds earlier, he probably doesn't throw the ball. Right. Or maybe I do intercept it, but who knows. But either way, um, was able to get back there and uh, make that play. And that was special for me to make that play, had another pass breakup. Man, it was so important to me to play good in that game because – it took 10 years just to get to the playoffs. So being able to get to a Super Bowl, like, I firmly believe when I got in that game, like this is the only Super Bowl playing. <laughs> right. like, I'm going to play There's not going to be another. I can remember – coming home and obviously here in new england uh titletown boston everybody be like we got to get seven i'd be like seven hell no i'm right. good with one i don't, right. I don't need a second right. championship right so it was it was it was so important to me to play well in that game so to have a play that everybody still talks about or gets mentioned in uh very proud of and i've gotten a chance to be around cooks quite a bit and. Uh, what's the quote like with Kobe Bryant I hate it had to be Cooks because he seems like a really good guy but I hate it had to be B Cooks because he's loved in every single building that he's ever been in
0: interesting we're talking with uh, Jason and Devin McCordy and as we kind of wrap things up here a little bit as we just were listening to Jason Jason's the TV star um, and again talking about how competitive you are you probably don't have anything signed yet but my guess is there's a line outside the door
3: I hope so. I've been on a couple of interviews, so... You've had some auditions, haven't yeah, you? I'm waiting for them to slide that offer sheet across the table, like, how does that look to you? Um, but no, it's been a lot of fun, I think. Um, and I think that's what kind of got led me to even retirement, too, being able to do some of those things during the bye week and then after the season um, of, like, actually enjoying it. like that, Like I talked about earlier... I didn't used to enjoy watching football because I would watch football and get angry about maybe I missed a play um, or us not playing in the playoffs. Uh, But doing that and you're now – you got segments that you're talking about, so you got to watch the film. You're breaking it down again. I was enjoying just the game of football at its core. Didn't matter that I was watching Buffalo and Cincinnati about to play. Like that didn't matter that, you know – We should have beat both. We had a chance to beat both of them at the end of the year. Um, I kind of had that out of my mind and I started talking about the strengths and what we talked about playing them. And I was like, oh, I kind of like this. Like, this is fun. I I do this during the season. This is how I break down the game and look at the game. Uh, So getting to talk about it and then talk about it with guys like Kurt Warner a couple times, Michael Irvin coach cower like sitting in a cbs production meeting and talking to coach cower about fire zones and how to cover it and how he talked to bill about it i'm like so i got coach about bill belichick and i'm sitting here with bill cower and we're talking about fire three defense like i was like when would that ever happen and that's when i knew i was like i think i'll enjoy doing this
0: and i might be able to get paid for
3: it exactly right and so
0: jason i'm sure you've been able to help him a little bit you know like you what's your brother's lifestyle doing it like he's on mm-hmm. early in the morning mm-hmm. you've done drive time morning radio and being on with guys at six o'clock in yeah, the morning yeah. and so, so you know how hard that could be it might not all be just
3: it's not know, all glitz and glamour exactly yeah
0: but do you get enough of advice maybe from jason where he, he can give you some hey don't do this because this stinks but yeah. you know if you can do that and do you have a preference uh Devin, Studio? Would you ever want to do games? Has anybody approached you about you know doing color or do you like being in the studio?
2: Hold on, it's, it's not just advice that I give them. I, I gave them, I gave them a week audition on the show too. I booked them. Absolutely, I, we I were watching Agent? there. So are yeah. you getting a piece? He no, didn't he, get me he, paid. He, I mean, <laughs> it's easy to book somebody for free.
3: I also had a decision over my head. So you know they were like. All right, if he comes, maybe he'll decide if he's going to retire or not. That seems to be pretty good news for 7 to 10 a.m. Ratings go up on the show. It helps right, us. Right. But I, I would say, obviously, the advice. And so far, I've done the studio analyst stuff the most. So if you ask me what I'm comfortable, it would be that. Um, what I'd be willing to do, everything. Like it, college, studio analyst, uh, at games, like anything. Because I, I want to just try it all. Uh, but the biggest thing that I got from him was his joy this past season. Um there were times we would we jump on Facetime and we would talk about uh, a team and their offense because he was going to call a game on the radio and he was like, "What do you, what do you see when you watch this team play?" Or, uh, "What did y'all What did Bill talk about when y'all played against the Jets for their defense and what their defense does well?" So little things like that when I would talk to him, I'm like, "Man, he's <laughs> he's really enjoying this." And then we have a group chat with uh, KV uh, Vanoy and Durant Harmon. And dude was always like that well-thought-out guy. And he was like, Jay, you miss it, though. And he'd be like, dude, I'm not lying to you. I'm having so much fun. Awesome. He was like, like He said, I go to the games for radio. He said, I walk on the field. I'm dapping guys up. I'm talking to guys. He said, I went to Germany and London with the show. He said, like, I'm just having fun. I didn't know I would have this much fun. Uh, so just seeing that side for him of, I think, for all of us as players, the scariest thing is, like, what do I do after football? like everything sounds good everybody's like be an entrepreneur start a business uh go on tv do this be a stay-at-home dad but it's like what is going to fulfill me what is going to help me have a new purpose at life um so getting to see just his joy flat out joy daily um and that didn't mean everything was perfect what he was doing but the fact that he had joy i was like all right there's hope out there for me
0: you're a Jersey guy, so I imagine Jer- – I would think Jersey is going to be ultimately where the McCourty's are going to reside yeah. at some point in time. Please tell the fans that this is going to be your second home. I mean, I think the people in New England feel like you're one of us, you know, and um, it's going to be really different for people around here not seeing number 32 on the field and not – it just – you were – you're always there.
3: Yeah, uh, we're going to keep always there. We're going to keep our house in Foxborough. Um b- New England is a huge part of who I am. Um, Obviously, I grew up in New York and and lived in New Jersey. um, But since I was 23 years old, like I've been a Massachusetts resident. You know, I'm now 35. Nashville. Like I got got married while I was living here. Uh, I had all three of my kids and then we came back up here. So everything I've kind of done as an adult and a parent, it was here. And it's what my kids know is what I know. Um, so this will always be a home for me. Um, I'm going to stay uh, connected to all the things I do right now. I'm on the board at BMC. Um, I'm looking – I'm probably planning on joining two more boards that are based up here. Um, so I'll obviously be here for all the Patriots stuff and things like that. But I'll also – We'll have the same off-the-field things, um, continuing our McCourty Bowl and and the Tackle Sickle Cell stuff that we do. Um, That's why it's important we stay on TV so we have, like, people has a reason to still come to the (laughs) event. It's the platform. Yeah. It's the platform. And I'll be able to still, like, invite those guys and offer them, like, some decent stuff uh, for coming to our event, so I'm excited. You know, Massachusetts will always be a home
2: for me.
0: Devin McCourty. Robert Kraft said it today, and he said it best. He's a real, true patriot. You represented everything that this organization uh, deems to be important, and you did it better than anybody else. Thank you guys for being here today. Congratulations
1: on an unbelievable career.
0: Appreciate
2: it. Thanks, Thanks you guys. Well, yes, sir. Thank you.